Hello, welcome back. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Emily. We're the executive directors and co-founders of ATX TV. And you're listening to the TV Campfire. This week and coming up through the end of 2021, we're releasing exclusive and original conversations from our Season 10 Festival that premiered in June 2021. Please enjoy this week's release and tune in both here and on youtube.com backslash ATXTV for even more TV goodness. Without further ado, here's this week's TV Campfire episode from Season 10 of ATX TV Festival. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to day three of ATX Television Festival 2021. We are officially on day three of 10, running a marathon, not a sprint, so I hope you're full of snacks and feeling good. It is absolutely my pleasure to be able to introduce this panel, Guess Who's Laughing Now, which we put together alongside our friends at GLAAD, and specifically Alex Schmitter, who is the Associate Director of Transgender Representation at GLAAD. Um, and he's also our moderator for this panel. I'm gonna bring out Alex in just a second, but first I wanna brag on him for a minute to say that not only was he instrumental in helping us program this panel, but he is also an executive producer on Changing the Game, which is an incredible documentary about transgender high school athletes across the country who are fighting to be able to be themselves and do what they love. And if you're watching this live, it's now available on Hulu. So I highly recommend that you check it out as soon as you can. Uh, but first, we have an incredibly talented group of panelists here today to talk about comedy, boundaries, and what it means for trans and queer creatives to reclaim the narrative. The work that they're doing as writers, actors, and performers is so smart and funny, and I can't wait for you to hear what they have to say. So with that, I'd like to bring out Alex, who's going to introduce the folks that you're actually here to see. Hi, Alex. Hi, thank you so much, Jen. Thank you so much to ATX television festival for hosting this conversation guest who's laughing now presented in partnership with glad as you listen to our amazing panelists please chime in as you hear anything that is relatable or resonates or makes its way into and elevates your consciousness about identity and storytelling or just makes you pee laughing whichever comes first or last or in between using the hashtag tv for all so why are we having this conversation emphasizing the importance of trans and non-binary inclusion in comedy? Well, from Ellen to Will and Grace to Modern Family, some of the most culturally significant shows and stories have featured queer characters stealing the scenes in sitcoms and hearts as they do. Trans and non-binary characters, however, have more often than not been the target of punchlines or made into the joke altogether. But the tide is turning, thanks to the, a new wave of trans and non-binary creators, writers, and performers who are bringing their comedic voice to the forefront. And we are joined by some of these incredible artists today who I am personally a very big fan of, each of them. So excuse me while I sort of fanboy out a bit. Um, starting off, we have Jesse Lee, who's been acting for the majority of their life after studying at Orange County School of Arts, the Chinese American non-binary actor with a passion for theater is making a splash in the world of television and film. Lee can be seen in Peacock's Rutherford Falls, where they play Bobby Yang, a non-binary teenage intern executive assistant. Bobby is outspoken, ambitious, in your face. Um, and doing everything possible to escape their tiny hometown. Lee has previously starred in Paramount Network's Heathers and Foursome, 
on YouTube Premium. They have also been on NBC's hit comedy series, Superstore, and Nickelodeon's Henry Danger. Hello, Jesse. So great for you to be here today. Hello, Alex. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. And I just want to, the suit matching with the background, the plant, I mean, <laughs> coming in, we're, we're coming the in, plant, colorful, yeah. <laughs> full of comedic life. Um, next up, we have Nava Mao, who is a filmmaker, actress, cultural worker, and mixed race trans Latina from Mexico City by way of San Antonio, Texas. Nava wrote produced, directed, and starred in Waking Hour, which was was selected as a production fellow for the Netflix documentary Disclosure and also produced the short films Samstown and Love Bites, now scre- streaming on Issa Rae Presents channel. For eight years, Nava has worked in the fields of healing justice and culture change with community-based service providers, student organizations, and survivors of violence. Please welcome Nava. Hello. Hi. Hi, Nava. Hi. Thanks so much for being here. And look, you got the plants going on too and looking amazing. Yes, yes. The plants give us life. <laughs> it's very true. Um, now I'm turning to Rain Valdez, who is a creator, producer, and primetime Emmy nominated actor for Outstanding Actress in a Short Form Comedy or Drama Series for her lead role in Razor Tongue, which she created, crowdfunded, and produced. Rain is the second transgender act- actress to ever be nominated for a primetime Emmy in an acting category and the first Filipina American transgender actress to be nominated. She is the founder of Act Now, the first and only acting class in Los Angeles, prioritizing a safe space for LGBTQIA actors and a true force in the industry. Welcome, Rain. Hi, hello, it's good to see you again. Good to see you. And you have a plant too. We are so alive here um, and blooming as we speak. So thank you for being here, Rain. And then finally, we have Armand Fields, who is an actor, writer, and drag artist. They star on Showtime's Work in Progress and also can be seen in Showtime's The Chai and Freeform's The Thing About Harry. They've been in numerous regional theater productions and studied at the School of Steppenwolf Theater. Fields is the executive coordinator for Lena Waits Hillman Grad Mentorship Lab and is currently penning a semi-autobiographical dark comedy tackling Black queer issues relating to race, sex, and addiction. Welcome, Armand. Hi. <laughs> Hi, welcome. It's so good to see you, you and hear you. Good to see you too. Thank you so much for having me. No plants here, just, you know. Just your alive, brilliant self. My organic beauty, yes. <laughs> Love it. Um, well, let's dive right in. I mean, we have these incredible artists, creatives, creators are really changing the game in the industry. Um, both through their personal endeavors and their professional work artistry. So I want to start by asking, how did you come into this work as an artist and what drives you forward to do it? I would love to start with Rain. Knowing your conceit for being so committed to the rom-com genre, why are you so invested in storytelling here? Uh, Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, for me, it started as a very young child, not seeing the kind of representation that I wanted to see 
but also knowing that I could do the things that cisgender actors were, were doing on my screens. And um, I, the more, the more I saw what was happening on television and film, the more I, re I realized that um, there was a need for it and a, and, and a necessity for it. And, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. Protagonism is, is one of the key elements to empathy. And for me, romantic comedies is one of the most political genres of all. Um, Rom-coms serve as propaganda for those who get to be loved and action movies are propaganda for those who get to win. And so, you know, for the history of filmmaking, what we've been told time and time again, that those who get to have those privileges and opportunities have been repeatedly white, cisgender, heteronormative, identifying people. Um, and if there, there was a trans person or a queer person on screen, it was for the sake to support that, that leading protagonist or be the butt of the joke um, or be, um, you know, exploit, exploited for their, their trauma. Um, and so it makes you wonder where you fit into the world when you, when you come in with, with a bright light and, and so much love and so many ideas and, and, and so many, you know, uh, I was born with a tremendous amount of determination. And so, um, you know, uh, my work as a as as an actor um, immediately kind of fell short at the beginning of my career because people just weren't casting um, anyone like me at the time, and it was very heartbreaking when I came to the realization that I was I was never going to be in a romantic comedy, <laughs> and so uh, you know, luckily I you know took that pain and transformed it into art. And I wrote myself into a romantic comedy short film and and kind of proved to the industry what I was capable of and, um, and that it's possible and that, you know, it kind of, it kind of opened the industry's eyes to seeing us in a different way, but also you know, queer and trans people are the funniest people I know the, uh, and, and have the biggest heart um, on the planet. And it just became much more than a job. Uh, it, it became, you know, sort of passion meets necessity, right? And so um, when I think of it that way, it makes me even so much more excited about um, what we're doing and what all of us in this panel are doing and what we represent individually um, because it's all very different, right? My voice is different from Nava's, but just as valid, just as funny and just as entertaining and just as talented. And, you know, it's, it's, we're very quick to be, to be sort of smashed and packed into one box. And I think that we're finally, unpacking it and allowing us to really 
really just be ourselves and really shine and 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 have the space to be able to prove what we're capable of and and what this community is is all about and 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 I think that you know going back to what I was saying earlier I think it's we're starting to see a shift we're starting to see the empathy within our communities um, we're starting to see this industry invite us into audition rooms and we're starting to see them cast us we're even you know in the last three or four months I'm I'm hearing a lot more of um, us being invited into the writer's room, which is really, really exciting. Um, and, you know, prior to that, it was sort of this, like, this fear of being on the wrong side of history. So we have to cast someone for this role and they have to be the most marginalized person on the planet. And, you know, which sucked at the time because then it erases everyone who, um, you know, isn't, on the, uh, at the bottom of the barrel when in fact we're all at the bottom of the barrel but it but the industry was playing oppression olympics with our community and um i think now we're seeing a shift where you know the different talents and the different kinds of voices is starting to be heard more and starting to flourish and um it's it's a really exciting time i think yeah. And to what you said, it's the diversity of experiences that we've been seeing a lack of. It's it's all so much centered on trauma and oppression and marginalization, which absolutely are very real experiences for people. However, that's not capturing what you said, the love and the sense of humor and the laughter and the community that we create out of necessity in order to bloom and blossom just like everyone's plants on the screen. Um, so I wanna turn it over to Nava, if you can speak a little bit to, I know Rain had touched on, you know, being able to see the messiness of human people, which we are in our characters and how you've experienced that with your work in both producing and creating and starring in Generation on HBO Max. You know, um, I definitely, as I came to work in film after working in the community sphere, I was very inclined to pursue dramatic work. I wanted to tell stories that were heart-wrenching and I wanted to play characters that, you know, really struggled and 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 that's just that's just what I was drawn to. And so when Generation came around, I was like, okay, comedy, because I had done comedy basically all throughout high school. And then that was what kind of brought me back into performing was this program called Brouhaha, which was put on by Peacock Rebellion in Oakland, California for a group of queer and trans people of color to learn comedic storytelling. So it was just kind of like, I thought that I was done with comedy. I, I really didn't think that I would be pursuing comedy. And, and so I really welcomed that opportunity to, to revisit that part of myself. And I've got to say, playing Anna became my masterclass in acting. Um, like I, I really learned 
so much about the power of humor and the and and how to convey history in a, in a more lighthearted setting, right? Without my character having to be in tears on screen, it doesn't mean that as I'm portraying her, you know, I don't have the 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 knowledge that she probably was crying earlier that day. But what does it mean that when we see her, you know, it's it's after the tears, right? And when she's telling a joke. Um, so I really appreciated that. And and I think that I also like that Anna is unapologetic and she's not into respectability and she is just gonna say exactly what she wants to say, how she wants to say it, whenever she wants to say it, to whoever she wants to say it. And I think like that taught me so much about fearlessness and and I hope that that has also taught so much um, to, to the characters that she's playing with, these young teens, and also to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. And Nava, to what you said, that sort of leads me directly into Jesse, your work on Rutherford Falls, which tackles very tough issues about colonialism and whose stories are told and how certain cultures come in and take over. And, and yet... It is a lighthearted, loving comedy centered in the characters. So can you talk about how you came into the show and the power that you've seen of um, not only your character, but the story as a whole on, on cultural understanding of the many really deep, intense issues that it's tackling? Sure. Thank you. Um, I got the script um, last year, last pilot season. And um, I immediately Googled it and I saw that it would be the largest Native American writer's room ever on television. Um, so that right away, I knew would be an amazing team of people to work with. And um, I went in for the audition and I saw that Bobby Yang was very outspoken and also unapologetic saying anything they wanted to, um, very confident. And, um, and I, I just wanted to make the character my own. It, he was written out. He at the time was written out as um, male presenting and gay. And um, I, I just started to make characters my own. Um, when I started about five, six years ago, acting professionally, um, all the roles that I received were, were male and were gay and were the assistant. And um, I, I just realized that I, I need to bring myself to this character and I gotta make it my own in order to stand out. And, and that's what I did. I, I wore what I wanted. I wore bell bottoms and I wore a really cute 70s get up and put on a really cute winged liner and <laughs> strutted to that audition. And, um, and it was just, I felt so much more confident once, once I started doing that with my roles. And, um, and yeah, there, there is a, a really big shift happening now. I'm, I'm lucky to receive auditions that are for non-binary roles and for trans roles and and it just makes me so much more excited for where 
Hollywood is heading and where what scripts we're going to see next. And it's exciting to see um, stories that were previously not told are finally being told um, on large platforms like NBC or on HBO Max. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that speaks to something about being able to show up authentically as yourself and being able to then deliver and embody the character. That's going to make the storytelling better across the board. And, and so, Armand, I'd love to talk to you about also another of my favorite shows, which is Work in Progress on Showtime, which I hear you just finished shooting season two. So I want to hear, you know, what that experience has been like working on that set because I know it is largely queer led um, yeah. and the difference that that has made in you being able to show up and, and deliver this, you know, it's sort of a dark comedy in so many ways, but life is sort of a dark comedy too. And sometimes it fluctuates in the dimensionality of how much we're laughing or how much we're not. So I'd love to hear from you what that experience has been. Absolutely. You know, I think sometimes, um, being black and queer or like femme presenting, you're sometimes sort of like this unicorn in the room. Uh, and it's just like, but working on work in progress, it was just so, it was beautiful. And I think it was like a way of the future. And like, I hope that like other sets start to look like where like not only um, in front of the camera, but behind the camera, it was largely POC, it was largely trans. And we just had people not just like in, you know, smaller roles, but like bigger roles as well. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, I credit, you know, Lily Wachowski and Abby for like making sure that that was happening, you know, behind the camera. And it just like, it, it allows you to come in and do your job, you know, and feel safe, um, you know, because what we do, it's like, it's a safe space to do the unsafe thing, you know, to really like just be vulnerable and just like, go there and when you're doing that it's like you need to feel supported you need to feel like i see myself like looking there holding the mic or something like that or like behind the camera because otherwise it's if it's not you're just like it's hard to like embody these roles and these characters that we do and like do our job um so no i was really fortunate you know that work in progress is that way yeah, and it's really great to hear that because I think we are starting to see, as all of you have sort of alluded to, that now that the casting conversation is pretty much all but done, you need to be casting authentically or else Twitter is going to have a shit show about it, which every which we should, you know what I mean? Um, so now there is a turn to behind the camera. Who's telling these stories? Like, how are they being told? What does the production look like? And I think that speaks to you know, what all of you were sort of touching on that comedy can be the hardest kind of genre to be in because it's political in the ways that typically people have been underrepresented and or to deliver the joke, to punch up, you have to be coming from this place of knowing that experience. So I'd love to hear from all of you, whoever wants to start first, um, you know, how you see the industry evolving and what you're hopeful about because of its blooming and evolution and growth. Definitely. I mean, I'll jump right in. You know, um, for the longest time, you know, whenever I see Black queer characters on TV, we're always sort of like the comic relief, you know, or we're always there to sort of like help the protagonist. But like, I 
am starting to see a shift, you know, and it's just like, why not be all of those things? Why can't we be like funny, but also have tragedy in our lives, you know, or go through things? And it's just like, I'm start. I feel like we are starting to see more complex characters evolve. And that's, it is uh, refreshing. <laughs> it gives me hope, you know? Um, but like you said earlier, it's like, we're also like, all of us are like doing the work and like helping create these stories as well. And I think that we're also starting to get into rooms where people are listening to us, you know, and getting people to sit up because it is kind of like, it's time, you know, no one. And I think also people are starting to see that what people watch or what people respond to. You know, like I look at Pose, you know what I mean? It's like, yes, I love Pose. But like my downstairs neighbor is this cis white woman from the Midwest and I was walking by her apartment and she's watching Pose. And I'm just like, I love this. Like, <laughs> yes, this is how it should be. You know what I'm saying? And so for a long time, people were just like, we don't want to see those stories. Or like, we feel like those characters are like, should not have screen time, you know, or like we couldn't find anyone like, you know, and it's just like, well, no, you did it now. And like, look how successful it was. Um, so it's just like, hopefully people will continue <laughs> to take those risks, you know, but it's just like, when I look at like you all and like the shows that we're on and like the stuff that's coming out, it's just like, I don't know, it just makes me excited. I think that we're definitely at a point where we are birthing a new Hollywood. And I think what a lot of us are experiencing right now in the process of birthing this this new age is a lot of pain, a lot of ugliness, a lot of, you know, um, <clears throat> really having to, to um, dig deep and, and, and stand up for each other and, and ourselves. And it's, it's not pretty, but there's so many of us now that's, fighting for our space and claiming ownership of our stories and our identities. And <clears throat> it's, 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 it's really interesting to, to be in the middle of it. I'm sure all of you can feel it because it's, um, it's really painful and we want it to be at a certain point already because it's about time and it's also a little too late. But um, but it but at the same time it gives me hope that um, we're finally working towards like real actual change. You know, I think that we're getting past to a point where we know um, <clears throat> it can't just be one of us because that's tokenization, right? Um, and and we know that if you're going to write our stories, you're going to have to include one of us in the writer's room as well, right? So there are a lot of things that we're slowly, you know, changing and and um, making progress. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's, it's really exciting, but it's still very, very painful and very, very difficult and, and, and ugly um, because we're all coming from a place of, of, of trauma and, and misrepresentation and um, and anger, you know, um, <clears throat> which is which is why I think that like 
a lot of my characters that I that I write that I play they're very, they're very strong and they're very vocal and you know very risky characters to play I you know I remember when I was shooting Razor Tongue I was like oh god no one's gonna no one's gonna hire me ever <laughs> if I play this character um, but thankfully people got the comedy of it thankfully people got the jokes and and got the importance of you know why she stood up for herself and people still laughed um, um, but again, like, you know, even with that, I didn't want to be put into one box. And so even with Razor Tongue, it takes a whole shift and it becomes this very serious, culturally, you know, relevant conversation that they're having at the end of the series. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and, and that was such a great vehicle, uh, for me and, um, you know, if it weren't for my community, I, I don't know that Razor Town would have happened, to be honest. I, I really, truly believe that I'm community built. As much as I have a lot of determination and a lot of passion, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be here without all the people that supported me throughout my career. And so what I'm really excited about is Oh my God, I'm like getting emotional just thinking about it. I'm getting excited about this new Hollywood that's going to be unapologetically community built and inclusive and an abundance of space for all of us to just be able to, to tell our stories and, and more. I mean, I am. This is a comedy panel, and you see me crying, um, <laughs> which I think is par for the course because being human is messy. Growing is it, it hurts. That's why they call it growing pains. Apparently, I'm only four eleven, so I don't know what that's like. But you know, it's it's about not having a singular narrative that's superimposed on any one of us or any one of these characters. It's really showcasing the humanity. And, and to your point, Rain, I think part of the reason why Razor Tongue resonated was that we were also laughing with your character. And I think that is so, it's so powerful because traditionally, historically, characters who are non-binary, gender non-conforming or trans have been laughed at. They've not been laughed with. And that is where comedy can insert itself and say, actually, no, but you can laugh with me because it's this life is folly. So I, you know, anyway, I'm not crying anymore. Um, I, I would love, you know, I saw you all sort of nodding your heads. I would love for you to weigh in ab about what you're excited about or, or what you're, dealing with because it's not all funny and haha -ha. with growth with evolution with blooming um it's messy but messy can be funny i don't know take it away messy can be funny for sure um and um i i was lucky enough to sit down with the writer's room of rutherford falls and they um invited me to have lunch with them which i have never done before with any writer's room. <laughs> and um, so it felt super important. And um, they wanted to know my story and they wanted to know my background and what it was like growing up. Um, 
I mean, it was the early 2000s, but there was still such a strict binary. And um, I grew up in a in a diverse town, but there was still not really under any um, gender expression or anyone veering out of, um, you know, the binary. And, and um, yeah, it, it feels really important to be part of this new wave of this new Hollywood and um, seeing characters on screen where you, you give them a second look because they're, they're so interesting to watch. And, um, and the lines that they say, um, you can tell that they're, that they're personal. And um, on Rutherford Falls, some of the lines were, were very personal and um, it was, it was really nice to be invited um, to the writer's room. And I know that's not the case on every set, but if, if there's going to be a trans or non-binary character on the show, then it should be, it should be, there should be a conversation with the actor who is going to play that role. Absolutely. And an understanding too, I think of anyone who's writing a character or telling a story that because of the underrepresentation that in so many ways that character is going to carry the burden of a broad community and making that character very specific about who they are tears that apart because you're like no I just see Bobby or I just see Anna or like you get to know the characters as people not as props to stand in for an entire community so I I that is great to hear that that was your experience. And, you know, Nava, I see you shaking your head. Do you, you know, want to weigh in here? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree that it, it feels very humbling and moving to be part of this wave of, of, of changes that are coming to Hollywood. And it also feels like a call to action. It feels like, you know, okay, we got this far, so, we got to make sure that wherever we're headed is, you know, worth the fight. Um, and I, you know, I am curious about revisiting some topics that I think are, can be a little sticky. Um, I think we've had to shy away from and push back against touching certain things in, in film and TV, like, disclosure and in intimate settings and medical transition um, and families coming out stories. Like we saw those handled in such harmful ways. And in and, and a lot of ways there was a fixation on those kinds of storylines when it comes to trans people. But I'm curious about what it means to reopen that box and, and to do so with more care and more nuance. Um, and I think that the, the only way that we can really do that is for trans people to have more control over the means of production, which is why we have to pay attention to what's happening behind the scenes. And we have to keep building structures for everyone to thrive under, but also for, for, for us to decentralize power um, beyond the way the systems are, are currently structured. Um, so that people can tell personal stories and they can have agency over their storytelling, whether they're working behind the scenes or on screen. 
I love that. And I think it is so much about agency. It's about reclaiming our stories and telling them through the filter of our own experience and lenses. And I'm excited for that wave too, because it's going to be messy. And I love mess. I'm not like Marie Kondo. I love mess. Um, Actually, I think she does love my, anyway, whatever. Um, This is all really powerful to talk to you about, because I think what we're getting at overall is like, we want the spectrum. We want multidimensionality in the characters and in how the creative is being formed into what everyone is sort of alluding to that community building that's happening in that representation on screen is both representation for people to see themselves reflected, but also when you have trans and non-binary and queer people in the writer's room producing, that's also representation. That's possibility for what people can be if they want to be a storyteller. So I think you all are so much a part of that shift in how we even think about representation, which is to say that each of us can show up as ourselves and represent ourselves and help others be themselves and be a part of a community that is fully seen and able to fully be. So Armand, do you have anything that's resonating with you here about, you know, what all of these amazing and brilliant minds have shared? Um, you know, yeah, I, <laughs> I was just echo, I will echo, you know, everything that they say, you know, I was just like thinking actually about like my last day on set, you know, and it was just like, it was an emotional scene. And it was like this huge setup for it. And it was just like, I am like, this black non binary person, and this whole street is shut down for me to like, give this like speech. And it's like, what? And it was just like, I couldn't really like allow it to affect me until like they were like, that's a wrap on our mind. And I just like crumbled, you know, because I was just like, I not only think about me, I think about my black and brown trans like siblings, you know what I'm saying? And just like, and just, oh, just like the lack of opportunity that they have in this world, you know? And to be able to be at that position, you know, and like, it's, yeah, I don't know, someone said it earlier, but it's just like, or maybe I heard it's on something else, but it's just like, you know, our job is to find, like, not only is this like our passion, but it's just like, when we can align passion with service and recognize that like, not only are we doing this, like, of course, to like, yeah, advance our career, but it's just like, when it's like for others, it's just like, it means it's so much more um, precious and it's so much more weight to it, you know? And like, and like, I went, (laughs) and I like went and like, I was saying goodbye to Lily and I was like crying and I was just like, thank you so much for bringing me back this season, you know, but it's just like, I don't know. I just like think about like if Lily wasn't there or if these people weren't there, would I still have that kind of response, you know? Um, But yeah, I, I am excited. And like, this is our chance to just like open the door. We're opening the door and like, we're going to keep it open for a very long time. And we're going to bring others, right? We're kicking that motherfucker in. And like, we're bringing like others in with us. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what we come from community. Like community got me here. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and so community is coming with me. 
So. Damn. I mean, it's really, they're going to have to bleep me. I'm going to say fuck just so they'll bleep me. Um, I think what you said was really profound in that we all as storytellers take this work so seriously because we know the meaning of it, not just for us, but for other people. And I think this can also be a call to action in that for the storytellers who are watching, who are listening, who are in the room, God, what a privilege it is to be able to tell stories and what a responsibility is incumbent upon us to know that the stories that we tell, the platforms that we earn and or are given, they affect culture. They affect people's lives. Um, so thank you for sharing that, Armand. That everything you all have said is so powerful. And I'm so grateful for your work and for your being and for your inviting and ushering in and kicking down the mother doors. Bleep me, please. Um, I've always wanted to be bleeped. I, it just, it is really community built. And so I just want to offer to you all sort of as a final note, as what you're really looking forward to personally, I'd love for you to share that and let's manifest it here. Let's manifest. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm looking forward to, of course, more stories being told and, um, yeah, more more trans and more non-binary producers and writers and mm. having the opportunity to tell our own stories. Um, going off of what someone said earlier, we're not all the same and we all have different backgrounds and we all have individual and unique stories to tell. And they're gonna be stories that people have never heard before, but these people are going to be damn interested and these stories are going to be amazing. Leap me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what I'm excited for. I'm, I'm excited for no longer being underestimated, not just personally, but our entire community. And I'm excited um, for you know, to, to finally put out what I've been working on for so long, which is, you know, my feature romantic comedy. And um, Nava was actually with me when I, uh, in Toronto, when I won the Pitch Please contest and to, uh, for the short film version, but now it's a feature. And I have a tremendous amount of people working with me and, um, I, I just I just know that once it's out there, it's going to change the conversation about um, the Asian American diaspora, as well as queer and trans, you know, um, uh, upbringing and how families, you know, how there's a lot of love, but also a lot of pain, but a lot of laughs, a lot of, you know, a lot of messy like we like we've been saying but you know kind of like how we've embraced anti-hero storytelling um we've we uh, because you know we've we've put anti-heroes in the in the in the position of protagonism so we've been able to empathize with them i'm i'm really excited to see more of our characters our queerness our transness our you know non-binary 
bodies in the protagonist space. I'm really excited for that. I am too. And Rain, what is the title of the feature? Come on, let let everybody know. It's called Relive a Tale of an American Island Cheerleader. Yes. I mean, that's all I want to see. Um, um, yeah, I'll jump in. Um, you know what Jesse was saying, like, I'm excited to see more POC and trans non-binary, like, people in the writer's room, creative execs, um, but also casting directors and agents. Like, that's where I feel like we need a huge um, an inclusion. And I, um, you know, I'm praying and chanting to like manifest my uh, half hour dark comedy about, you know, my life before I got sober. And I feel like that's one thing that is just like we talk about, but it's just like mentioned in one episode and it's kind of swept under the rug, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, but no, it's like, it's a journey and it's a marathon and it's messy and it's funny, but it's like, also it's like, I feel like addiction kind of plagues, you know, our community because we are faced with so much, you know, on a daily basis, like homelessness, like, displacement, you know, heartache and like, you know, and it's just like, so I really want to tell this story and do it right um, and have it be funny, but also have it be tragic and also have it be sexy because I'm all three of those things. Um, and, uh, and it's called for black boys considering suicide when Beyonce isn't enough. So. I need to see that now. Um, and, and to what you said, Armand, you are everything. We are everything. We are so much more than any singular characteristic experience. We are dimensional. Uh, Nava, we have a few minutes left. What are you looking forward to? What do you see for yourself? Let's manifest it right here. Um, I also am really excited to see more trans people get into the feature film space um, and as protagonists. So I would like to direct a feature film and I am excited to be able to work in collaboration with so many people, hopefully. Um, I think that's what the beauty is of film and television is that we get to work together. And I'm hoping that I can be part of building more structures to, to bring people up and bring people together. Bring people up and bring people together. Um, thank you so much, all of you, for being here today. Bless the mess that we have made. Please bleep us out as much as possible. Thank you so much for ATX Television Festival for hosting us allowing us to have this conversation. You all are brilliant. I can't wait to see what you manifest next and looking forward to laughing, crying, and living together. Thank you for listening to ATX TV's original series, The TV Campfire. To watch these panels and more, please visit youtube.com backslash ATX TV. For details on the festival, go to atxfestival.com. And information on our membership program can be found at atxfestival.com backslash membership. Follow us at ATX Festival on all social media. 
As always, please rate and review. We appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and a simple click or brief comment can help us grow and have other TV lovers like yourselves find us. Feels like enough information, right? Yep. Till next time, keep watching TV.